So you've heard this morning um, that we are starting a new series, which is pretty cool. Um, it's a five-week series leading up to Easter, um, and it's all around sensing the gospel. Um, it's the idea that uh, God has given us different senses. So he's given us touch, and he's given us smell, he's given us taste. Uh, the other ones are hearing, and the last one is um, oh, sight. I should probably remember that one. He's given us these senses for us to use. Um, and I want to, we, we're going to go on this little journey as we gospel, uh, sorry, as we travel through the gospel and we look at the life of Jesus um, and we hear the gospel message, uh, how Jesus himself used these different senses and also how um, we get to uh, look at them today. Before I go too far into that, so I've mentioned the word Lent, okay, and I want to um, talk a little bit this morning around what is Lent. Um, I learned a, a few things um, as I continue to read about Lent, and it's, it's fascinating, some of the things you get to hear, some of the different traditions um, that churches have um, around Lent. But Lent is a, a special time in our Christian calendar, and pretty much what it does is it, is it prepares us for Easter. It's like a spiritual journey that lasts about 40 days, starting with Ash Wednesday. Um, and Ash Wednesday for us, I believe, was um, Wednesday the 14th um, this year, I believe, of this month. Uh, and it ends on Easter Sunday. Um, during Lent, Christians focus on prayer, on fasting, on helping others, just like Jesus did when he spent 40 days fasting in the desert. So you see, Lent can seem a bit confusing at first, uh, but it's actually quite simple. Imagine it like getting ready for a big celebration, like a birthday or a holiday. You clean your house? Oh, that's better do that. You make special plans, and sometimes uh, you give up things uh, that you like for a while as part of the preparation. You see, Lent is similar, um, but instead of preparing for a party, it's preparing to celebrate the most important event in our Christian faith, the resurrection of Jesus. During Lent, uh, many of us decide to give up some of the things that we enjoy. Uh, it could be um, Coca-Cola. Oh, that would, that's a, a burden. It could, be, uh, it could be like fasting a meal. Uh, it could be not going on social media. It could be uh, anything that we want to give up. It might just um, be not buying a coffee uh, for that um, Lent season. And the purpose of this is, as we do this, as a sacrifice, as a way that we can remember Jesus' sacrifice. It's a bit like a personal challenge um, for us to focus on what's really important, Jesus. Uh, throughout Lent, there's lots of special days. So we, we, we talked about a little bit about Ash Wednesday and how that started as the start of Lent. Um, and through Lent, there's lots of special days um, and events that help people to stay focused um, on the little um, journey of spiritualness. One of the most important is, um, is in the Holy Week, which includes Palm Sunday. Um, I, I always say this word wrong. It's Maundy with an N. I sometimes say it without an N, but Maundy, uh, Thursday, uh, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and obviously Resurrection Sunday. Each of these uh, days gives its own significance and helps tell the story of Jesus in his final days before his crucifixion and the resurrection. 
And it points us to the good news of the gospel. The good news that Jesus is alive. Palm Sunday celebrates um, the triumphant entry to Jerusalem where people used to wave uh, palm branches and shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. Morty Thursday reminds us um, and lets us remember the Last Supper, the time when the Jesus shared his last meal with his disciples. He washed their feet as a sign of love and of service. Good Friday is the solemn day of, of reflection of Jesus' death on the cross. While Holy Saturday, oh, I don't like Holy Saturday, it's the time of waiting. Oh man, I get frustrated with waiting sometimes. But it's waiting for the joy that comes on Easter morning, Easter Sunday morning. Finally, Lent ends with the, with the joyful celebration that we get to celebrate that Jesus is alive. It's a time of new life and it's a time of new hope. You see, so while, while Lent may seem a bit solemn uh, and a bit serious at times, it's also a time that we get to prepare for the most joyous celebration of Jesus being alive. It's a chance for everyone, young and old, to grow, to grow closer to God. And as we each journey through our own special um, spiritual... Uh, as we continue to grow closer through our own journey of our spiritual faith. So as we go through this series, sensing the gospel uh, during this Lent season, we're going to be looking at the life of Jesus. Uh, we're going to look at the life of Jesus through the lens of our senses, like I mentioned earlier. Touch, sight, taste, hearing, smell. We get to discover who Jesus is uh, and how he uses his senses to demonstrate who he is and why we need to be in relationship with him. So this week I get to start with the sense of touch. And so we're going to look uh, through some scripture this morning as we look at how Jesus used touch in his ministry. The first thing I want to talk about this morning is about how uh, Jesus' touch is powerful. As we look at the life of Jesus, we find out through his ministry, Jesus uses the sense of touch a lot. Uh, we're going to start uh, by reading from Luke chapter 7, 11 to 15. Soon afterwards, sorry, soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain. And a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he appeared, uh, as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a, was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said, as he walked over to the coffin and he touched it. It bears, uh, sorry, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead body sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. You see, this passage demonstrates the compassion and the power of Jesus. He encounters a funeral procession uh, for a young man who was the son of a widow, uh, which would have left her in a very, very vulnerable position, um, socially and also economically. 
And Jesus was moved with compassion. Uh, he interrupts the funeral position. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd have the, have the guts to interrupt a funeral position uh, to stand in front of it. So actually, just, let's just stop for a little minute here. He touches the coffin, which is carrying the dead man, and he commands him to rise. And miraculously, he does. The man comes back to life, and he sits up and begins to speak. This, this event doesn't only display Jesus' authority over death, but it also brings immense joy and relief to a grieving mother. And the crowd of witness, uh, witnesses um, witnessing this event it underscores Jesus' identity as the Messiah and foreshadows his power over death, which would later be fully demonstrated in his own resurrection, which we talked about earlier. In Luke 7, which we just read, uh, when Jesus' hand comes in contact uh, with the coffin, um, he halts the funeral position. Everyone stops. Life obstructs death, allowing it to proceed no further. With a touch, Jesus inserts himself into the circumstance. He becomes part of that village, part of that, that ritual that is happening. And the widow's departure into uncertain plight, he puts himself in the middle of that with his touch. The Savior physically reckons with death and the destruction it inflicts on the survivors. With a touch, he takes over the scene. No one frets about this defilement or the risk of contracting impurity. Yet Jesus fully commands control. His touch injects life and renewal into desolate conditions. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus' touch is the touch of life. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40 and 42, uh, we get to see again uh, the work of Jesus as he heals a man with leprosy. A man with leprosy, reading from verse 40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, uh, begging, begging to be healed. If you are willing, can you heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. You see, in this passage, the power of touch is demonstrated through healing of the leper by Jesus. Leprosy is not only a, a physical ailment, but it carries this social um, destructiveness um, and religious stigma uh, during those biblical times. Lepers were often outcast, isolated from society due to the fear that what they had would be passed on. And by touching the leper, Jesus demonstrates his compassion and willingness to heal even those who are considered untouchable by society. The act of touch in this context carries significant symbolic meaning that it signifies not only physical contact, but emotional and spiritual connection. Jesus' touch conveys his divine power and authority over sickness and purity, as well as the desire to restore wholeness and dignity to those 
who are afflicted. We continue to read in Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 44. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Some of us know this story. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told, uh, and told him they told him all they had done and taught. Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves for a while to a quiet place and rest. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them, saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore to get ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped out from the boat, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they may go to nearby farms and villages to buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. How much bread do you have, he said. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves and two fish. Jesus told the disciples, to have all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat in groups of 50s and 100. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven, and he blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to many, many people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers of bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed that day. Well, this passage doesn't um, explicitly uh, mention the word touch. It does emphasize Jesus' compassion and his willingness to physically interact with the people. It illustrates Jesus' profound connection with people through his actions of compassion, of care, and of provision. His willingness to physically interact with the crowd, uh, to bless and to distribute food, demonstrates the power of his presence and touch in, meaning, in meeting their needs, both physical needs and spiritual needs. The act of Jesus breaking the bread and giving it to the disciples uh, to distribute uh, symbolizes the role as the ultimate provider and the sustainer of life. Jesus' touch offers us the scope that he is the sustainer of life. The last little verse I want to look at today is uh, Luke chapter 8, uh, verse 40 to 48. Jesus heals, Jesus heals in response to faith. On the side of the lake of the crowds, so reading from verse 40, on the side, on the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, the leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him, come home with me. His only daughter was about 12 years old and was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by crowds, 
A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years of constant bleeding, and she could not find a cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately she stopped bleeding. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus says, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt the healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Again, this passage holds um, profound significance regarding the power of touch and the nature of faith. The woman's act of reaching out and touching Jesus' cloak symbolizes her faith and his ability to heal. It demonstrates that faith is not merely passive belief, but is an active trust that leads to action. Her touch through faith enables the healing power of Jesus, illustrating the ultimate connection between faith and for healing. Furthermore, this, this story highlights Jesus' compassion um, and inclusivity. Despite the woman's impurity according to the Jewish law and her chronic condition, Jesus does not shy away from her touch. Instead, he welcomes her, affirming her faith and granting her healing. This challenges the societal norms and reveals Jesus' radical acceptance of all who come to him in faith, regardless of their background or their circumstances. In essence, the, the power of touch in this passage is a tangible expression of faith and a, a testament to Jesus' compassion and healing and grace. It reminds us that in our moments of desperation, reaching out to Jesus in faith can bring about profound transformation and restoration. You see, in these, in these verses, there's um, intentional touch where Jesus reaches out and intentionally touches. And in this last story, we get to see the, um, the, the faith of somebody actually just touching Jesus, yet his power still moves. The power of touch is so important in Jesus' ministry. I want to look at... Um, how the power of touch um, can bring about comfort. So in these verses above, uh, we've read that Jesus was moved to compassion. In all of the verses we read, that it wasn't just, oh, okay, I'll do this. Yeah, this is what my job is. He was moved to compassion. And out of his response of compassion came action. If you ever um, remember watching video footage of Mother Teresa, um, you may recall the frequency she employed to actually touch as a vital expression of her own ministry. Holding people's faces, clutching their hands, embracing them without fear um, of disease or frailty. 
With touch, she dignified sufferers. Humanity, uh, sorry, sufferers, she dignified the sufferers' humanity and offered to carry their pain for them. Her touch poked through many of the boundaries that would keep her body isolated, sorry, bodies isolated from her own. So in this, we look back into scripture and we go, so what is God calling us to do when it comes to touch and compassion? We read in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. It's an action. God is calling us to action to clothe ourselves with compassion. In Galatians 6 and verse 2, uh, Jesus, uh, sorry, the, the, uh, the scripture calls us to carry each other's burdens. So it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. He's calling us to carry each other's burdens. Together, this, this sense of action and compassion to carry each other's burdens. In 2 Corinthians uh, 1, 3 and 4, uh, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts all of us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I'm going to read that again. So that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort that we receive for ourselves from God. God's calling us to be compassionate. Uh, and a great way to show compassion is through physical acts. It could be a, a, a touch. It could be a hug. It could be a, I don't want to hug me today. I'm a bit sweaty. It could be a high five. I'm good at giving high fives, especially to those kids in school. Um, could simply position ourselves to be close to somebody else. These are great things that we can do to remind those, uh, those people around us that we care. It could be physical acts of carrying somebody's groceries. It could be a physical act of weeding somebody's garden. We call to compassion to see the needs of our community. And with compassion comes action. Compassion is no good if we don't have action. The last thing I want to look at this morning is the sense of touch and how we use it in, in some of our meaningful traditions today. Some of the, the meaningful traditions is, is communion. So um, next week we get to um, share again in, in communion. And those that prepare communion, the elements, they touch them. They can't put them on a plate without touching them. Um, they wash their hands. They do all this health, food safe, healthy practices. I should remind people of that. Um, but they touch them and they, they pour and they cut. And we read um, in scripture that Jesus himself broke the bread and he offered the cup with his own hands. And as we hold them in our hands, this physical act of holding them in our hands, we can remember that we hold the representation of Jesus' body and Jesus' blood. Some of the other things we do um, here in the life of the church is um, when we pray for people, um, sometimes we lay hands on them. Um, it's always good to ask for permission, okay? 
if someone, if you wanted you to pray for someone and lay hands on them, just ask them. Just say, hey, do you mind if I, if I lay hands on you? Shoulders are good. Backs are good. You see, in the New Testament, the laying of hands was associated with the receiving of the Holy Spirit. That's why we lay hands on people when we pray for them, so that they may receive the Holy Spirit. Um, baptism. Uh, another awesome uh, tradition that we, we love to follow here in the life of the church. Um, it's been awesome to see so many baptisms in the last few weeks um, and months. It's just exciting. And, and part of baptism is water. And if you ever get into water, you figure that water gets everywhere and it touches everything. Um, and as we enter the water of baptism, we are immersed in water. It touches every part of us. It is the act of washing away the old life and receiving the new life that Jesus has for us. The last one I want to talk about our, our traditions this morning is anointing with oil. Anointing someone with oil signifies that they have been chosen by God and they are unique to him. It is also a way that uh, the Holy Spirit has empowered them for the specific role and the purpose that they have. Um, some of the ways that we anoint people here um, with oil is, um, is on their foreheads. Um, in the Old Testament, they used to just like pour um, buckets of um, jars of oil over the, over the priest because that's what it was first used for, was to pour oil over the priest. Don't pour oil over me, please. It's sticky and it goes everywhere. But it's an act that we get to celebrate and we get to do together to, um, to say to each other that you are chosen by God. Isn't that awesome? As I finish up this morning, I want us to remember the example of Jesus. You see, he has shown us his power of touch through his ministry. And there's many more stories. Uh, you read him how he um, heals the blind. That one involves spit, if anyone's interested. Um, he, all throughout his ministry, Jesus is touching and releasing power. But he does it not um, just because that's what his job is, and that's what God sent him to do, but because he has compassion. He is compassionate, and through his actions, we get to see that we can trust in him. Through Jesus' actions of touch, through his ministry, we get to see and we get to experience the mighty power of Jesus at work. Proverbs 3 says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commandments in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and you will live, and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart, and then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Trust Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will and do, sorry, his will in all that you do. And he will show you which path to take. As a response uh, to this morning, I can't talk about touch without a response of an action of touch. Um, I want to give three ways that um, we would love to do that for you this morning. The first is um, we would love to anoint you with oil. If you are in need of the reminder 
or the encouragement that God has chosen you and He has a purpose for you, we want to anoint you with oil this morning. We want to pray. Uh, this, uh, if someone wants um, prayer this morning, and it, it may include the laying of hands if you're comfortable with that. If you want prayer this morning to receive the Holy Spirit again for anything that uh, in circumstances in your life that are going on, we want to pray for you this morning. And lastly, the one that excites me the most, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to follow Him, if you want to choose to accept Him as your Lord and as your Saviour, we would love to encourage and support you in this. We would love to stand and pray with you to talk you through uh, what Jesus has for you and how much He loves you. And as a church, we want to be able to invite you to have a relationship with Him. So as the band plays, uh, we're going to open up some spaces. There's some spaces here. If we stand this side of the speakers, we'll be able to hear each other. Um, and over here, there's our prayer corner, um, and also just in the front over here. If that's you this morning, if you want to be anointed with oil to again remind you of your purpose, um, that you are chosen by God, come. If you want prayer for something this morning so that we can lay hands on you and pray for you, come. And if you want to know Jesus and figure out what this life of living with Jesus looks like, come. And as we sing, we will do those things. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you do call us. You call us by name for the things that you have for us. And Jesus, we see in, in, in your scripture that as you speak and as you touch and as you put yourself into situations and circumstances, um, Jesus, there is action that comes from the power of you. And Jesus, as we stand this morning, uh, may we experience you again, Holy Spirit. Lord, whether we need a touch from you, uh, whether we need a touch from, from one of our other fellow members here, um, a hug or a high five to, to lay on hands, to be anointed. Jesus, we want to offer um, what we have back to you in worship again this morning. We love you.